This is a Cato Special Podcast. I'm Caleb Brown. Bilateral trade is the subject of the day between China and the U.S., but where does that sometimes rocky relationship stand today? And why should we care about the United States' bilateral trade deficit with China? Dan Eikenson, Associate Director of the Cato Institute's Center for Trade Policy Studies, comments. Trade relations are strong. Uh, bilateral trade has been increasing year after year, but of course it has created anxiety, particularly in the political classes, uh, about the trade deficit, the bilateral deficit that the United States has with China. In fact, that deficit was the impetus for the strategic economic dialogue, which then new Secretary of the Treasury Hank Paulson initiated. He said, if you really want to deal with the trade deficit, the bilateral trade deficit, as a matter of policy, you need to look at structural issues. It's not a function of trade policy. We need to look at the reasons that for the, the disparate patterns of savings and consumption between the Chinese and American people. And he's, he's been working on that. The, the strategic economic dialogue is a long-term dialogue. Uh, opponents of trade like to point to its failure to produce short-term big bang solutions uh, that uh, uh, to support their notion that it's failing, but it's not failing. It is getting both parties to the table to talk about important issues. And the, the alternative that has been promoted by protectionists in Congress, by the unions, by a small subset of U.S. manufacturing that, that depends on uh, uh, the low value of the dollar because they want to make imports expensive to Americans... They've been pushing for these provocative pieces of trade legislation that have been introduced in the Congress. And by and large, Congress has been backing off of these pieces of legislation. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about the undervalued Chinese currency. Well, it is appreciated by 20% against the dollar since July 2005. Uh, U.S. exports to China are up 25% in the first quarter of, of 2008 versus 2007. Uh, they're up very strongly each of the previous six years since China joined the WTO, uh, the growth of imports from China has slowed to the tune of about 2% in the first quarter. And Congress, I think, is recognizing that this isn't going to work. If we are going to uh, try to make progress with China, we can't badmouth them in the media. Uh, we can't uh, demonize them. We can't expect them to say how high when we tell them to jump. So I... I I'm, I'm hopeful that some of this protectionist legislation that has been introduced uh, will sort of fall by the wayside. We have uh, brought six cases to the WTO. I mean, I'm not, I'm not opposed to enforcing our rights uh, in the WTO. We brought six cases. We've won three of them. Three are still pending. And I think Congress has seen that, hey, this, this, this approach is working. We don't need to be provocative and hostile. Uh, we have a system that works. Let's let it run its course. So I, uh, there, and there are real, Congress is beginning to realize maybe that they have bigger problems. There are big economic issues facing the country, and many of them are uh, attributable to Congress's mischief. We have entitlement programs that are completely out of control, and those Congress needs to focus on those kinds of things and not to not focus on tit for tat uh, trade disputes. Yes, I would say the Chinese do engage in some unfair trade practices, but not to the tune of uh, uh, represented by the 30 or 40 pieces of anti-trade legislation. And also the U.S. 
engages in unfair trade. We've been found to be violating our trade commitments, and in some cases, we've done nothing about it. As a matter of policy, what does the bilateral trade deficit, the deficit that exists only between two countries, why does that matter? I don't think it matters at all. It, it, it matters for political appearances. It gives opponents of trade a number to glom onto and to, uh, to incite political action. But the U.S. trade deficit with East Asia as a percentage of our economy is virtually unchanged. In fact, it's a little bit smaller today than it was 15 years ago. Our trade deficit with China is much larger because uh, there's been a, a shift in production patterns. Uh, Kore- the, the final stages of Korean production and Japanese and Malaysian and Taiwanese happens in China. And when it comes to the United States, it registers as a Chinese import. In fact, a study from Stanford University uh, based on 2006 numbers found that about 37% of the value of U.S. imports from China is actually Chinese value added. The other nearly two-thirds is value-added from other countries. A more recent study from the U.S. International Trade Commission found that number to be closer to 50%. So we're still talking about a huge chunk of uh, our imports coming from China officially that are actually value from other countries. A lot of what is factored into the trade deficit, our trade deficit with China are intermediate goods and raw goods that are value-added is value is added here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yes, we there seems there is this simplistic mindset out there that exports are good, they create jobs, therefore imports must be bad, they take away from jobs, they take away from the economy. But the fact is that in last year US producers accounted for 55% of all import value. US producers rely on imported raw materials and, and components and capital equipment to produce their final goods. And those who say that we need a cheap dollar for U.S. manufacturers to compete are, are missing this, this picture. There are some manufacturers that rely on a cheap dollar because they want imports to be more expensive, uh, not so much so that they can export more because the, the ones advocating the cheap dollar aren't doing a whole lot of exporting. The U.S. companies that are doing a lot of exporting are also doing a lot of importing. Uh, so. If the dollar is declining, the value, uh, the, the cost of raw materials goes up, the cost of components, the cost of production goes up. So that squeezes the profit margin. And I, uh, I'm not sure the policymakers have given a whole lot of thought to that. Who, who in their right mind can be talking the dollar down now when we're realizing that the effect of easy money policies uh, are, are to drive up the price of gasoline and the price of food, which is valued on, on global markets in dollars. If there are more dollars out there, it's going to take more dollars to buy a barrel of oil. So we need to stop talking down the, the value of the dollar and start thinking about ways to strengthen it. Free trade has become less popular sure. uh, in recent years, as, as witnessed by political candidates out on the campaign trail. Uh, and part of that is, I guess, an idea among Americans to Asians predominantly, how dare you bid up our oil? How dare you bid up the price of things that we like to buy cheaply? And and that that seems to be part of the attitude there. Yeah, I can see that in there. And that is also the byproduct of currency policy. We want the Chinese currency to be stronger so that maybe we can export more to China or that the Chinese will export less to us. Uh, but by the same token, that just drives up their buying power. 
it, it inspires demand for oil. It inspires demand for food. And that is part of what's going on uh, in the world. There's a lot more competition for commodities that, uh, for which prices were relatively stable for a long time. There's now all this demand coming online. I think it's a good thing. You know, trade detractors like to look just at the supply side. Oh, all these low-wage countries are coming online now. They're going to compete with U.S. producers. That's going to uh, be harmful to the U.S. economy. Well, let's look at the demand side. <laughs> if, if they're coming online to compete for on the production side, they're coming online to uh, consume products as well, and that's good news for everybody. Dan Eikenson is Associate Director of the Cato Institute's Center for Trade Policy Studies. Full event videos are available at cato.org.